Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. We record this normally every Friday at around 8.30 Pacific Standard Time in the morning, a.m. And I've got a small, but as I normally say, a small but powerful panel. Um, we've had a lot of people bunking off. It is a holiday's listeners and viewers. Um, what is the show about? The show is a very uh, tongue-in-cheek look at the world of WordPress and tech in general. Um, and I've got a panel that I think are up for it. Um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. It won't take too long. And then <laughs> we're going to be straight into it. So, Chris, Chris. My beloved friend, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers, Chris? Yeah, I'm Chris from Lifter LMS, which is a learning management system for WordPress. Also have a podcast for course creators and WordPress LMS professionals called LMS Cast. And Chris is uh, a real outdoor, well, him and his wife and family, they're all outdoor, outdoorish types. And I just love following your adventures on Facebook with you <laughs> roaming some wilderness area of America with your family, Chris. So it's just lovely. Uh, um, so, John, would you like, my friend John, would you like to introduce yourself, John? Um, yeah, I'm John Locke from Lockdown Design and SEO. So that's, yeah. All right, that was short and sweet, but there we go. Yeah, Before we go in... and we're going to have another panelist joining us soon um, Uncle Spencer he's having some technical troubles Um, but before we go into the main stories of the week um, I want to talk about our great sponsors our major sponsor Costos is if you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for a client you need somewhere to host your audio files and also produce the RSS feed and a host of other small things. Um, I was using another provider that provides all that for about four years. Castos came on my radar. Um, Other services, they start hitting you hard if you're successful in podcasting, i.e. your numbers start going up. Castos has got that great, platform where you're not penalized for being successful um they've got one one flat rate um it looked good i decided to sign up and then i learned that matt medeus of the mac report was going to become their head of sales and customer experience and i thought if it was good enough for him i made the right choice it's been fantastic they are a great company i highly recommend them if you're looking to get into podcasting, like I said, for yourself or for clients. Another sponsor is PeachPay. PeachPay, if you're looking to get um, payments up and running really, really quick for yourself or for a client, with WooCommerce, look at PeachPay because it's free. It's really easy to get set up and you'll be running up and running in half hour to hour at the most. So go and have a look at peachpay.app. I thank both sponsors for their support. We've also got Uncle Spencer joining us. Uncle Spencer, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? 
Spencer Foreman from I'm late to the WPTonicShow.com. You naughty individual, but there we go. Um, we're going to go I was, straight. I was sitting in the Andrew Palmer hot tub, just so you know. You told you ever, me. You ever, he, was, he, he told me he was playing golf. Andrew Palmer and I share the inflatable Intex hot tub pre-COVID solution. I'm sure Chris has his own version of this at home, but pre-COVID, you popped it up, put some air in it. 500 bucks later, every morning, it's like being reborn. And sometimes I'm not sure if I want that vision in my mind, you and and Andrew in a hot tub. I'm not sure. I I was talking to Andrew the other day, and the two of us were in our inflatable hot tubs. Crossing the Atlantic, talking. Oh, I think that's where all meetings should start. Oh, Can I get a link to that, Spencer? When you have yes. a set? <laughs> it is the Intex inflatable hot tub. Now, yeah, you could you could do you, you could do me a favor, Spencer. You could actually post something in the WP. I'm going to do that. I'm just in the, I'm in the WP Tonic Facebook group. Um, there we go. Um, so let's go into story <laughs> one. Word Word Camp US online set for October. One thousand. Um, October the 1st, 2021, as community team ways proposal for returning to in-personal word camps. These these tavern stories, is it me or they're getting worse? Um, So, Chris, what did you think of the article? And um, they, they seem to be having a lot of problems. There seems to be some complaints about things in general, about how this has been organized and What's your thoughts about it, Chris? Well, I've helped organize word camps before and participate in meetups. I haven't done the the big national ones. I mean, I've attended, but not organized. It's a tough job and it requires a lot of volunteers. And if it's going to happen, it, it just needs to run smooth, especially with all the volunteer input and throwing in the challenges of the pandemic. Uh, I will say what I like most about this is actually... There's kind of like a flowchart engineering style diagram of if this, then that, yes, no. This, When you have something like this, this actually shows a fully baked process. And I like that. I think that's what we need. That's not just for WordCamps, but events and public policy when it comes to, you know, navigating the future here. And we can always challenge the model, but I think these kinds of models are helpful to kind of take the emotion out of it and let's look at the facts and, and how these facts are different in different areas. And with WordPress being a conservative uh, organization when it comes to public safety, I think that it's, it's smart for them to have this. And I'll say also that there has been you know, a lot of online uh, event fatigue and whatnot. And also, I've just noticed in general across my friends and colleagues, a lot of people have had challenges with burnout. And uh, they're just, and just, it's been a tough year, been a tough year and a half. And, you know, getting some more community back is important, but we also want to do it in a way where everybody feels safe and the, like the process of how that happens is well thought through. Yeah, funny enough, I've been on a really, um, I'm not going to go into the details. Some of my friends know I've had a, quite a journey the past year, um, health wise and, mostly around my health, but um, I've been on a strict diet and exercise regime and I I never felt more, it's been a long time since I felt so fit and energised, really, Chris. So I think getting out, and you do it, getting out in out in the open, 
doing physical exercise, controlling your diet, these are all important things that will contribute to your mental health and your ability to to compete with these pressures. So, um, Spencer, I've always had, uh, it's one of these things, because I, I, I'm known as, I'm, I think I'm now known as Mr. Grumpy in WordPress. Yeah. Uh, um, um, I've always hold a grudge about how the, I used to really enjoy going down to San Francisco to the to the world world word camp US, and then oh we're just going to close it. Oh by the way, there's there's not going to be a, a word camp in San Francisco because we Why? know that it would become it would be a competitor. We're just going to close it all down. It's never gone down that well with me. Um, how that decision was just made, and there was no real discussion about it. But I suppose I'm, I suppose I'm whinging again, aren't I, Spencer? Well, I first, you know, I first of all, well, I wouldn't call you Mister Grumpy. I would call you Mister Choo Choo has left the track on certain subjects. But I think at a, after a certain age, you're entitled. Uh, like that, my favorite Seinfeld episode is the one where George pretends that he's a marine biologist and uh, he's describing what happened with him rescuing the whale. And he's like, the sea was angry that day, like an old man ordering soup at a deli. Well, I'm that old man. You're that old man. Maybe Chris and John aren't that old man, but you're going to get there. And the idea is that these things are annoying. But here's how I actually would suggest um, I'm going to do something about it. Okay. I've been asked in the past to attend local word camps and they had them in Lincoln Park and other things. In the current state of the world, I don't see anything bad about a word camp, but I do see that I am personally not in agreement with what Automatic is doing as the thought leader for this thing. So my push, I'm going on record again, is to align all the various makers. And each one of you know I've spoken to you and I'll be speaking to you again to get together in a collaborative way because we, the makers, can decide what is best for this platform. And I now also have access to all the customers through the makers and through my own efforts so that we don't need to, and I'm not trying to say, look at you automatic. I'm saying we don't need to take the advice for open source software of what the VCs and automatic say because we can act as benevolent owners of our own work product, our own audience. And if that means that we end up as a consequence having a, an association of some kind that has its own events and so on and so forth, the natural conclusion is those could be slightly different in focus and otherwise from what's currently been the state of affairs, which I'm not being critical, but like when you get a bunch of people randomly together ad hoc for a picnic, it doesn't really work out the, the whole, same way the whole, when you get them together other ways. The whole thing of it moving to bloody December and having it having it held in some godforsaken free frigid place say, that you freeze your arse off. After, you know. the, after the Yoast pre-COVID shenanigans and all the other stuff, one needs to just ask themselves. Do you really feel that it could be done better by a more focused group of people who are actually the people making the stuff? And in my opinion, that's where my effort is going to be going. And you'll hear more from me about that. And it's not a threat. And it's not any kind of yeah. 
like it's not taking anything from anyone else. It's simply saying, you know what, like I feel like this would be something that the right kind of mindset, the right kind of people collaborating could do a much better job, like some of those other SaaS companies do for their events and so forth. So, so John, I, I know the Sacramento were were you know word camp tried to fill that void that was left with the San Francisco one not happening for a number of years. Um, and obviously you got the Orange County and then you got the LA. So there are word camps in the West Coast, but but the centre of technology, you know, San Francisco, the Bay Area, Northern California, since 2014 there hasn't been a word camp. Apart, you know, I, I think it's kind of semi-disgraceful myself. But am I just a grumpy old beast? <clears throat> yeah, I think it's well. It's a little odd that there hasn't been a word camp there in seven years. I mean, that's like a huge city. It's where Automatic is based. Their headquarters is there. Um, there's a lot of people who work on WordPress that are there. It's a little odd. Um. I can understand them yeah. suspending it for a couple of years, so it was clearly not a direct competitor to WordCamp US. I could understand that, but they've not really, you know, I, I'm only surmising this, they haven't allowed a regional one to get established since that decision, and I, it just hasn't gone down well with me. It's another thing that pisses me off, basically. Can you understand it, John? Yeah, I totally. I mean, I totally get it, and um, you know, I, I I can see like some people wanting to to go to a word camp and physically see people face to face. I don't know that that's a good idea right now with the Delta variant of COVID jumping off. Well, and there's a lot of, I've been I've been yeah. double vasc- uh, vaccinated. You know why? Yeah. Anybody wouldn't be, you know, it's their decision, but I, I yeah. gotta be, I'm going to be honest with the listeners and viewers. Yeah. You know, for God's sake, if you haven't got vaccinated, go and get it yeah, done, yeah, yeah. you know, and those that won't, I just feel you're bonkers. Uh, and, and, I, and, and, yeah, like I said, I mean, I know somebody from my hometown that's died from this who was like four years younger than me. Um, I know people who have it right now. Um, that that have been sick for a month. I mean, so it's it's dead deadly serious. Um, you know, uh, maybe this isn't the year for for in person stuff, and and this last couple of years especially has been tough. You know, there's been a lot of things going on um, in the U.S. just overall. You know, when if and when like. You know, I will. I should say when, because I'm sure that there will be uh, in-person word camps eventually. But I, I think that there needs to be some more organization to these as well. And it's it's been volunteer based in the, in the past for sure. Um, but I, I think that there there need to be like other things um, in place when people are, are thinking about things like you know. Um, as far as like security and, and if there's like some sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, terroristic thing that like jumps off, 
like like uh, January sixth. Well, I'm actually, you say that. Not, by the way, why not just send everybody for five hundred bucks a link to buy <laughs> an Intex hot tub, and we can all just do oh, a yeah. virtual a virtual meetup from our own hot tubs recorded because there have been some successful conferences in the last year were multi-person and i believe andrew or um Vito organized that gigantic one about 20 right. months ago like why do we need to be in person anyway because the only things we've seen come from in-person meetups in wordpress is misogyny and bad behavior and drunkenness and all kinds of aggravation like do any of us really need to be in person i mean i know chris years now and john years now and jonathan my god we were in the war together and I've never met you in person, and I haven't well, suffered you keep, you Every time you get close, you avoid us meeting. But there we go. I um, saved your life in the war, and I didn't even do it in person. But um, yeah. I just want to say, um, I actually think um, face-to-face conferences still are important. I, I actually am going to MicroConf in Portland on the September the 15th. Um, if you're into Bootstrap community and WordPress, I suggest go to the MicroConf website. I'll make sure it's in the show notes. And um, I could be also speaking at the conference. That's not been confirmed yet, but I definitely will be attending there. And Rob and his team will be there. And they've got some fabulous speakers. And it's just going to be a cool day um, with entrepreneurs in the bootstrap community. So do consider coming up to Portland and joining us. So I just thought I'd mention that, being that I'm a supporter of Rob, um, a great guy, basically. Um, so let's go on to the next story. Um, NDA expired. <laughs> I like this one. <laughs> this, this, uh, NDA expired. Let's spill the beans on a weird, weird startup. Yeah, say say that again. What did you think of this one, Uncle Spencer? I find it interesting. Um, before WordPress, I was in the SaaS space with a company that was funded by a billionaire, and um, when billionaires were a rare thing, and they essentially gave me carte blanche and my partner carte blanche to do what we wanted. <laughs> They realized that two guys from Chicago given carte blanche and an unlimited REST platform. Where they were doing freemium was maybe not such a good idea for the investors because two dudes in a van outside the football stadium were selling hot dogs and beers to everybody and they were selling nothing for $100 million. The next company, after we were unceremoniously removed from the parking lot, wanted all of our knowledge. So they insisted, for some reason, even they were a London company, to send us out to California to talk to their Silicon Valley attorney. Now, some of you know I'm an attorney in my former oh, life. I would have loved to be the fly on that wall. Just let me oh. weave it into the story. The point is, as an attorney versus a real-life business person, I never do contracts. Because I know as an attorney, all contracts are is a way to, you know, hoist yourself by your own petard essentially sailor's term and hang yourself and that's what essentially happened this company paid thousands of dollars to their attorney flew me out to meet their attorney put together some 50 page contract of all the things that i couldn't couldn't do and what they had to do for me well at the end of the day facebook came along and ended that social network market and the contract with me meant that the last year and a half of of me being paid full price was me not doing anything for them because of their own attorney so the long story short is, 
NDAs are the worst example of nonsense. If you really feel you've got the secret to anti-gravity or something else, then make threats to people's families or hire some guys in black suits. But NDAs are ridiculous. And the fact that they expire mean that, like, now you've got these funny stories that come out after, you know, the end of the fact. So I know there will be attorneys who, who would argue otherwise, but, like, look at all the litigation that goes on over contractual disputes that ends after six years of the lawyers getting all yeah, the money. People don't, the I, totally, I totally agree with you, actually. What people, I'm going to put this over to um, Chris in a second, but People, yeah, some ideas do get stolen. You know, there is industrial espionage. You know, it's a fact. Um, but it's a very, very small. And what people don't realise is that there's there's thousands of ideas out there. It's not having the idea. It's executing the idea. That's the difficult bloody thing to do in an effective way. What do you reckon? What do you reckon, Chris? Well, just to give context to the listener, the watcher, this is a story about a company that paid people to uh, misrepresent that they were actually looking for a job, go inside of a hiring conversation, and and like kind of in a, a backhanded way pitch certain products. So first. <laughs> I'm a big fan of guerrilla marketing. So part of me was like cheering for this like initiative here, but the I'm not okay with it because uh, <laughs> it does two things. It's one thing to do guerrilla marketing and like, you know, put your stuff in some, in somebody else's traffic flow or try to be sn sneaky and just do what it takes. I mean, you have to uh, tooth and claw for your first customers and to scale sometimes, but uh, to like boldface, like misrepresent who you are. I'm not okay with that. And then number two is they're actually hurting the legitimate people that should have been in that seat in that job interview. So because of those two reasons, I'm not okay with the tactic. However, yeah, but uh, guerrilla marketing. If it was just a marketing, you know, we've all I wouldn't say shady, but there's there's always some grey marketing, but. As a total business model, <laughs> yeah, yeah, kidding. it's a little, you it's a little too kidding, advanced. Right? I mean, I've been uh, even before I worked in tech. I've had people. I've done a lot of hiring, and I've had people. I like that person is doing a uh, secret shopper on our interview process. I can just tell, and I'm sure sometimes I couldn't tell, but um, and I, I see it. I see it. Sometimes people are kind of misrepresenting themselves to like pitch stuff all the time. But yeah, like you said, to have this be the main business model of a primary marketing strategy to get in front of CEOs and HR execs, I got to give them credit for that because when you hire somebody, those are very expensive decisions. They're super important. And often like pretty high level people at a company are going to be involved in that last interview because the hiring is so crucial. So I got to give them credit for like, getting to the decision maker, that's just not the right way to do it. Yeah. What do you reckon, John? <laughs> I just love this story. Uh, it's, it, it, it typifies so much, doesn't it, John? Yeah. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's kind of brilliant in, in a way. What, but uh, am I on speaker? You're getting a little bit of echo. A little choppy on your connection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We hear you, we hear, we hear. but you're, okay. you're echoing. You are too. 
Oh, yeah, oh. So it's cleared up now. Okay. I'm not getting echo. Okay. So, anyway, the um, the idea of going in and planting the seed of the idea that that one product is better than the other it seems to work. Um, and truth be known, I think that there have been campaigns like that that we've seen um, in retrospect. Uh, but the, I, like Chris said, I, I don't think it's a good idea to, to go in and um, market your product this way. Uh, sure, it will get in the brain of the people who are making decisions and they keep hearing the name of that product. But at some point, it's going to set off the uh, alarm in your head like, you know, this person is not really like what they seem because they're, they're declining these jobs, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a good idea. Um, it's just ethically bankrupt <laughs> on a lot of levels. <laughs> I like that. You put that well, actually, we're going to go for our break listeners and viewers. We'll be back in a few moments. We're coming back. Got a, as Spencer will love this. We, uh, we've got a small, but powerful panel. Uh, we're, uh, we've got some. <laughs> we've got some good stories. I think I've rustled up something. Oh, on to this one. Um, WooCommerce five five point five two fixes performance issues found after full security up. I'm so de- I'm so deflated, listeners and viewers. We had Chris Lemmer on the show last week, and I thought I found a opt- um, Mr. Grumpy here. Mr. WordPress Grumpy found an optimistic story, upbeat. And then we find out it wasn't all so upbeat. Um, what do you reckon, Uncle Spencer? I'm a bit deflated. Yeah, I was just looking to see what the, the difference was. I didn't get a chance to do it. But so it, it seems like just yesterday, last Friday, we were talking about how, how WooCommerce found and changed like four letters in one line of code that, you know, cured this leftover thing. But I'll admit to you, and I know Chris can speak to this as well, because Thomas and I were chatting about this stuff. Code is a relationship in and of itself. And you say something to somebody that's well-intentioned, you think it's going to make them happy, especially your, your better half. Next thing you know, you're in the doghouse. So <laughs> if you have a security pad, you're, you're solving one problem, Sometimes creating another problem. But the good news is, and I think that's where when people ask me about WooCommerce, I'm like, here's the difference. If this was Squarespace or, you know, uh, Shopify, they would have all the same problems and more, but you would never know about it. <laughs> it would be happening without your awareness. So for the, uh, the open source um, transparency, I'm grateful. And as a developer who builds off of work, you know, WooCommerce especially, I'm grateful for how many people that are involved in this, that you get 38,000 people involved in doing something in like one hour. It's fantastic. It's just deflating, really. I'll say what, you know, I, I thought I found a really, and Chris, Chris Lemmer handled it so well, didn't he? You know, he is polished, isn't he? And it was so upbeat. And then, you know, the truth comes out. Oh, over to you, Chris. You know, what did you think of this story? 
First of all, I'm a huge WooCommerce fan. We sell our software with WooCommerce. Um, what we our our t- technology integrates with it as well. If you're using WooCommerce for courses and membership sites, um, my hats off to the WooCommerce team for doing a couple things. One is uh, they have an active security research program, which is something we have at LiftLMS as well. So companies like uh, Bug Crowd and Hacker One have security researchers who are investigating. The very few WordPress companies do this, I should say, first. Uh, we do. WooCommerce does. And this is how these, these security vulnerabilities are found and fixed, which is awesome. And it's done well. And it, it actually, like Spencer was saying, all this stuff is public. So it seems like there's more going on here. All this stuff is going on with other companies too. It's just not, their laundry's not hanging out in the public like an open source software. So this this is all just good stuff and maturing. But, you know, as somebody who's rolled out a lot of updates, um, you know, you fix one thing, like my, my co-founder will say, and then something else unforeseen, even though you have all these tests and stuff, okay, now we got a, something else over here we got to jump on. And this is really the biggest reason why you know, if you ever get frustrated with a company about like, hey, they, they say they've got this feature rolling out or this thing, um, sometimes stuff like this comes up and then you got to shift focus and other things come in too. But for me, I don't see this as deflating. It's just, it's more uh, just, this is, oh, this, is, this is a mature company. Just, they, they have the same problem too. You fix one thing and something else pops up somewhere else. Yeah. What do you reckon, John? Yeah, I think it's really, I mean, it's impressive that they're able to Is he frozen? He's frozen. Yeah, well, okay. it's impressive. It's it's impressive that they're able to roll this out because the thing with open source WordPress and you mentioned Shopify or Squarespace, you'd never know that there was this sort of issue, but there's generally one type of configuration with some visual presentation um, things that are different. Maybe some um, third-party plugins for Squarespace. But with WooCommerce, there's a lot more variation. There's people running themes that are, you know, from ThemeForest that are um, some that are using Gutenberg blocks, some that are using, you know, 50 plugins, some that are using only a handful of plugins. So making sure that that code all works together flawlessly, or at least that WooCommerce holds up its end and works uh, in in a stable uh, means, I think that's pretty impressive. I also think it's very uh, impressive that Lifter LMS and WooCommerce and a small number of other WordPress companies are have an active security campaign yeah. where they're seeking vulnerabilities to seal them up. So, yeah, that's great. Kudos, yep. Chris. Thanks. Yep. Thanks. All right, let's go on to the next story. Um, is Robinhood really democratizing finance? So, Spencer, um, Robinhood, you know, we had this um, insta- incident when. Um, um, a group of individuals were pushing and they got into a bit of trouble and they got <laughs> fined, didn't they? But 
I think Robin Hood is, you know, first of all, if you could tell the listeners and viewers what Robin Hood is quickly, and then can you give you, I think it's a two-edged sword. I think it is something interesting and new, but it also could be rather dangerous in some ways. Um, first of all, what is Robin Hood and what, what's your views of this particular story? Uh, Robin Hood was an, is an, a commission-free investing tool like many others in the past so that amateur people can just use a nice, clean interface to get involved in things like stocks and also cryptocurrencies. But it turned out to be controversial for a couple of things that they did unusually, which is, number one, in the past, they had artificially limited access for people to trade certain stocks at a point where there was a lot of heavy trading. They were controversial for some of the ways that they had taken advantage of naive people who were kids or teenagers or otherwise because they didn't know exactly what they were getting into. And then finally, um, there's been some allegations here and there, but with their IPO that, you know, it's an okay tool, but the promises of what they're doing are not as great as the reality because of some of the things that we just, I just mentioned, which is like when you really need to do a trade sometimes and they are not making it possible to have real-time trading or something artificial, that's kind of the whole point. Sort of like insurance is hypothetical until you crash your car, then you really need a good insurance policy. So from that standpoint, I think that it was a great idea, but there are other better tools. I mean, honestly, I have cryptocurrency in Robinhood simply because I put in 75 bucks before all this drama happened for my 17-year-old to get involved. And then all this stuff happened and I couldn't get the money out. And so I put him over on Weeble, which is a competitor. But in the meantime, I dumped the 75 bucks into, thankfully, Dogecoin. At like Dogecoin? Seven, oh, you're not, with, you're not with Teva. You're not that bonkers. No, I mean, Dogecoin yeah. went up to like 60 cents or something. Now it's more like 25 or something. But the point is, I feel satisfied that it wasn't like as annoying that I couldn't get my money out. But the fact that they said... The first 75, 80 bucks I put in, I couldn't get out. I thought that was kind of like, uh, yeah. LaunchFlows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10-30% to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry, we've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. 
If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try LaunchFlows today. I tell you, the the cryptocurrency, I did a little thing about Tether, basically saying that, they, and I put it on YouTube, and I, I said that they were a bunch of villains and assholes yeah. that run it. And to talk about, I got to say they're more rabid than the WordPress community would be understatement. Um, I actually got I actually got some death threats for that particular video really? it sent to me. Um, oh, I can say to the people that sent them to me, you go and have a go at me. Try and do it, you fuckers. Uh, um, see what kind of response you get, you maggots. Uh, um, <laughs> I mean, it's just a rapper. It's just a rapper like any other rapper. I mean, in the past... Uh, well, now even, if you want to buy cryptocurrencies, you can go to an intermediary that, you know, is a transfer agent and stuff. There's plenty of online tools. So it, I think it's kind of, there's nothing magical about it. It's just a way to to do what you got to do um, versus paying a traditional broker like an E-Trade or something like that, or, you know, Shearson Lehman. The, the IPO thing is besides the point because um, it's like, that color, remember there was that app color, and then there's also we were talking about obviously we work. Um, the behavior of the founders oftentimes is not in alignment with the promise of why this is so unique. You know, if you look at it as just a software wrapper around trading, it's fine. Nobody's gonna argue. Yeah, it's they're all the trying package, to, isn't it? They're yeah, trying to the say, you know, yeah. peace and love, and everybody will be free yeah. to, you know, do this. And I don't know that that's really true. Uh, what do you reckon, John? Do you because I think it has it has helped people cut the costs and it's more convenient. There, there are some benefits, aren't they, John? But there's also a lot of baggage, isn't it, and other concerns, isn't there, John? Yeah, I mean, most recently with this uh, thing with the GameStop and uh, some, the, the uh, AMC and BlackBerry and some of these other stocks that people were um, – basically trying to drive up the price to um, basically hurt the hedge funds. You know, the, this article, the tagline says, is it democratizing public or democratizing trading? I mean, obviously it's not because what it started doing when people were not backing off of their positions is it was limiting trading. It was limiting that to make it go down. Well, they got a phone so, call from the real people that can control the economy. They right. got a phone call, didn't they, John? I mean, and this article also says that, like, you know, it suggests that the people using it are not sophisticated. You know, that wasn't really the point. They weren't trying to make money off of GameStop. They were trying to hurt the hedge funds. That's what they were trying to do. I think they're more sophisticated than the article maybe give credit for. Um, it, it wasn't just about, you know, how can we, you know, screw the market. It's like, how can we screw the people manipulating the market that, you know, <laughs> put us in the uh, financial crisis 13 years ago. So, so Chris, what I think one of the facts is that people who are not, have not got an enormous amount of knowledge or got scars of experience don't understand is a lot of these stocks and other financial cryptocurrency whatever is if if they're 
in markets without a large capitalization, they're, they're very easy to manipulate with pump and pump and drop schemes. Of it, it's endemic. It's all over the place, isn't it? What, what, what do you think? I have a bunch of thoughts on this one. Yeah, the um, well, first I just want to take my hat off to Spencer and what he was doing with his kids. Uh, learning finance and investing by doing finance and investing is like a sorely missing skill from the traditional education system. So the fact that uh, one of the ways Robinhood does democratize is the ability to buy fractional shares. If you try to get a share of um, Amazon or Tesla and you're looking at two, three, four thousand $4,000, whatever it is, it's just not accessible. But if you're being smart and you're like, okay, I think people are going to do at-home ordering. I want to get a little Amazon and build my investment portfolio. Even if I only have 500 bucks or 100 bucks to get started, I can do that with Robinhood. And yeah, it's gamified and fun and stuff. Uh, and that's one of the ways they say it preys on people is because it, it's, it's kind of got a lot of gamification built in to make it kind of addicting and trigger the dopamine and stuff like that. I don't fault a software creator for like trying to make the app fun. Um, but buyer beware, you know, there's no such thing as, you know, easy money, get rich quick. I mean, it can, those things, like somebody can't. Well, there is, but I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry to interrupt, but there is, but I found when you get easy money, it's really easy also to lose it. A hundred percent. That's, that's the hard part, but I don't think it's necessarily Robin Hood's fault if our society is not helping kids and adults and fully grown adults not treat it like a wild casino. At right. least if, if they don't understand, they can make that choice. Like I'm going to yellow in on Doge and put, you know, you know, my entire life savings on Dogecoin or whatever. But I will say, I think it's going to be really interesting times. You've got things like, and one more quick note on Robin Hood, the fact that the founders wanted to retain more voting rights in their IPO, I don't fault them for that. You know, share in the future, the equity, but like if they're trying to maintain control of the company by class A, class B shares, I kind of get that from a founder perspective because I don't want to, I'm happy to share the equity, but I don't want to lose, I don't want to have equality in the decision making. Like it kind of makes sense since you're, you've been like building the company your, your whole life or whatever. Uh, but then the interesting part just comes down to the future of finance you know, where macroeconomics and crypto are merging and you've got uh, things like, you know, the old school, the TD Ameritrade's, the new school, like the Robin Hoods. You've got crypto and decentralized ex- exchanges like Uniswap, PancakeSwap, SushiSwap. You've got the, the ones that are centralized like Coinbase, Gemini, Binance. Um, everything that's going on in the economy right now and how tokenization and equity and finance and debt and everything's working, it's going to be a wild ride the next five to 10 years. So I'm just excited yeah, I, to see uh, how it goes. I agree with you, Dick, because I, I do, I've been very critical of cryptocurrency, but not for the basic idea, because I actually think it, the actual idea and the technology behind the idea, there is something to it. It's just the, it's just the utter scammy people but uh, don't people spamming with they, regular... They have been attracted to it, like flies it, on It shit. happens in any economy, but, though. Like, yeah, it, like, but there's something... It happens there's, with the U.S. dollar, yeah. too. Jonathan, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to be freaked out because um, I was having my meeting with Luke today, and he follows cryptocurrency, and he suggested that 
there was a news article that Amazon is looking for a top dog to hire to be in charge of cryptocurrency, which read between the lines means that Amazon seems to be contemplating taking cryptocurrency. Well, now, you know, he needs, he needs that you, money you, to you get know, the rocket to Mars, doesn't he? You know, when Amazon starts taking cryptocurrency, game open, game over, game whatever, because it's going to be like the Hoover Dam blowing up and the real Colorado River coming in for the value of certain cryptocurrencies, but also for all the other things that come about when they get past that mainstream problem. Well, because think, Amazon has the Amazon. I think Amazon are at the peak that their glory days are over because what are you talking about? Look at their prime. Look at their prime service. I don't get anything in two days anymore. If I get it in two weeks, I'm lucky. Oh Um, my god! I order Amazon every day, and I order it like against my sometimes better feelings. But from the standpoint of where the world really is versus where I want it to be, it's like the Matrix when. Joe Pantagloni or whatever says, I know the steak isn't real, but I love it anyway. Well, Amazon isn't going away. And if Amazon, with its absolute penetration in everything, takes cryptocurrency, (laughs) the cryptocurrency thing is going to blow up. And if it becomes mainstream, there's actually some chance that it might be used for currency reasons. And here's another Spence prediction. Amazon launches its own crypto coin. Yeah, that could happen, yeah. That's what I think is going to happen from that. Because if they launch their own crypto coin, they can tie it into like having their own currency, which fits in well with Dr. Evil's plan of being a non-nation state, but really being a a (laughs) nation. Oh, what a total arsehole that bloke Yeah, but you can't. Listen, you can fight it or you can accept it. Yeah, I know. know, That's another question. Yeah, I understand. Not liking it won't make it go away. No, I'm not disagreeing with you there, but he's still a bloody total arsehole. Well, like, maybe uh, they'll, hey, as know. Heather would say, hey, maybe uh, there'll be a little rocket accident and uh, something will happen. I, to uh, I feel a bit ashamed with what I said there, actually. Um, Andrew did say you yeah, shouldn't have said that, and he was right. You know, I feel a little bit um, because I don't, I don't want to wish him ill or. But I still think he's a total arsehole. Now that you know, you comparing who you're going after, like there's certain people you go after, you'll probably be fine. Some people, I would be very careful about going after <laughs> if I were you. Well, I, I just think he's a total <laughs> douchebag of the highest order. But there we go. That's my own opinion. Um, it's a free country to some extent, isn't it? Uh, well, um, John is let. Hopefully, John will be returning. Um, but on to the next story. Um, Colorado becomes the first state to require state and local government websites to meet accessibility standards. Oh, my God, we're in 2021. Yeah, it was only passed 32 years ago. Or, sorry, 31 years ago. Jesus Christ. Yeah, 31 years ago. This is is another story that just keeps dragging on forever. What do you write about this one, Chris? You know, my God. We're in 2021, and we're just the first state to... I think in the United States, the states really have to lead. So um, having Colorado, just the government lead and, you know, work on accessibility and require it. I, I don't really have much to say, but this is just super important. It's not necessarily accessibility has a lot of room to grow in WordPress yeah. uh, for it to be easier for, you know, developers and website builders and agencies to 
to you know make things more accessible. There's we we all need to level up there. Um, but yeah, I'm glad it's happening. And just I wish there was something we could do to speed it up. This is actually, believe it or not, not a WordPress problem because if you read the in the last paragraph, it says all of the state agency websites are currently running on Drupal. Oh, <laughs> the state has 4,200 oh, active oh, local governments. So the problem is this. I have agencies uh, who come to me for advice, or sometimes we represent enterprise, who have unfortunately stumbled into the sort of like Microsoft Windows 95 problem of we, we, we needed to get licenses and support, so we're still using something from when... Bill Clinton was president because we can't afford to move. And the problem is that's at the basis of a lot of this momentum. If you have federal governments and agencies who move like molasses and they themselves are using stuff that was built on Drupal, God knows when, and they can't afford a million dollars to have a developer come move a comma, which is what they can charge with Drupal, then, you know, like they're not, they're not suffering. It's like the rich people who still have water coming out of their faucets aren't caring in California to, to build like a desalinization plant. This is where we suffer as human beings because we always act reactionarily when it gets beyond the point of comfort for the people who make choices or have the money. And here's an example. I guarantee there's no visually or otherwise disabled people in the decision-making of the governments. And it's nice to see somebody's doing it, but I'm not surprised that it's taken 31 years or whatever since the 90s. Um, for this to happen. The, the thing I was talking about yesterday, which is sort of related to this concept, is like, when will the Berlin Wall happen for electric cars and trucks versus gas? What I love about this conversation is that there's this whole array of existing vehicles. No, but here's, here's the metaphor. There's this existing world of cars in the United States. But right now, we know the technology exists, and we know the makers are saying they're going to go electric. All but Toyota, who is arguing that they they bet on hybrids, so they're going to still want little gas combination cars. The question is, will the automakers like Ford go with something like they did 20 years ago, like a truck that gets all the mainstream American men, mostly, but women, to buy that cheap electric truck? Because if they did, then everybody else will follow. The gas stations will have half electric charger and all the accessories, and then everybody follows. And it's like this with government. If Colorado or a couple other big states were to change and make everything accessibility enabled, and they showed demonstrable financial benefits, all these other people, you know, would follow. I'll let Jana. All these other people would follow because they would say, oh, it'll make me look good. But right now, there's no proof of that. And so there's no financial incentive or political incentive. Yeah, to be far, far over to John, um, I thought what you said about Microsoft, because the other world, I think in some ways is even worse, is Salesforce. When, you, when you're dealing with them and they're enclosed garden and worlds, you know, my- there's competitors you can escape off of Salesforce, which is like with WP Fusion every day. We have Salesforce refugees, I call them. We move them over to Fluent or, you know, AC, you know, Active Campaign or something because you can move it. You lose your automations. You maybe lose your f- history of tracking. But Salesforce, I say Mark Benioff can afford as a benevolent billionaire to do wacky things because his clients are enterprise and they'll pay no matter what. But the entrepreneurs and SMBs in Salesforce, I go, hey, you guys got choice. Let me show you the door. And they they move. Yeah. yeah. All right. What did you reckon about this story, John? 
so accessibility, I mean, with the websites, I, th- I think there's like two issues here. I mean, the root of it is that people who have disabilities or who aren't fully able-bodied are kind of treated like second-class citizens in the U.S. And you've seen part of that with COVID. Um, I see a lot of people in tech, tech, even like this last week, it's like, oh, you know, this person got COVID. They must have been, uh, you know, had comorbidities. The thing of it is, is disabilities can happen to anyone. If you're fully able-bodied, it's waiting for you. You could get in a car wreck tomorrow and you could have mobility issues. You could have vision issues. You could have hearing issues. And it's very important that we design for those people first. And accessible design is usually a good design. Now, the problem that I've seen since I started doing web design is a lot of times it's the designers and developers that are telling you to make things inaccessible. When I first started, like a a lot of people would have me uh, do things to make the designs inaccessible. Uh, This is when I was like subbing for like other agencies. So I think that it's, it's, it's in, it's important that we, that we take the lead in that. Now the states have made this where Colorado has started this legislation. We all should be doing this. All right. Yeah, you're breaking up. We got the point. Um, I just wanted to say um, when I was dealing with local clients, see, I've, I've most almost all my US. Um, experience is based in northern Nevada. I've been here almost 14 years, but solely in northern Nevada. And Carson City is the capital of Nevada, and it's a small state, and all the politicians... And I've seen it face-to-face, because unlike California, because it's a small state, you, you... you do talk to the governor. You, you, if you go to business meetings, you can meet the governor, the head of of the um, of of statewide departments. And I know how website contracts how they're done in Nevada, and the level of corruption and and what goes on in hiring agencies web design agencies in northern Nevada and how how it, business is done in Nevada. And it it was something that I'm very happy that I'm not part of anymore um, because it's rather sickening, really, um, how the deals are done and who the agencies that do those projects and make a lot of money out of them how they are chosen. Um, it certainly ain't based on their ability or their technical ability. I, I can I can totally assure you of that. Um, that that is a kind of rather understandable but naive um, way of how major website projects 
are paid for, who does them are chosen, and why they're so is one of the reasons why I bring it up is I think it's one of the reasons that leads them to be so horrible horrible to those that got some form of disability to try and use these state websites because I, I have an understanding of how they were budgeted and what really drives them. And it's certainly like what you said, John, it's got nothing there. Their needs are, are the are not even thought about. Um, so that's it. Oh, what are we doing for time? Oh, do we, let's go on. We better cut story six. We need to get on with our recommend. Well, do you want to quickly discuss story six, panel? I think we can do it quickly. Yeah. So um, story six. We got so, nowhere to go. All right, um, 83%, and it's linked to what we what we some of the I think what Chris was saying at the beginning of this com, of this conversation. 83, so story six 83% of developers suffer from burnout. Um, Haystack at analytics study finds what did you think of this one, Chris? I think it's very true, and it's it's definitely true of what I would say some of the best, hardest working developers. And I would expand it not just to developers, but designers, project managers, uh, just web professionals. You, the big problem comes from uh, a lack of boundaries around work. You know, we used to be able to go into the office and all that kind of stuff, but when you work online and the internet never sleeps, and you're working with clients all over the world. Boundaries become much more harder to maintain. Plus, you kind of love what you do, so you just kind of get lost in it. Um, this is all just a recipe for burnout that I've never met somebody who hasn't had to deal with it who kind of works in this space at some point. And then let's say you become, uh, you get married or you have a parent or you have another, some kind of family emergency or a health issue. It just kind of all compounds together. So uh, it's definitely an issue that is heightened with remote workers. Uh, in the web space. And uh, my recommendation, which I'll go ahead and throw out now, is uh, Sherry Walling's book. You were mentioning uh, MicroConf. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sherry Walling, Rob Walling's uh, partner there, she wrote a great book called The Entrepreneur's Guide to Keeping Your Shit Together. Mm -hmm. And she's also been a big proponent of mental health in the entrepreneur community and is really helping work. I have to try and get her to come on the WP Tonic show. That'd be an interesting interview, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, she's she's solid and the book's fantastic. Yeah, it is. It's a I I listened to it on audio book and it is good. What do you reckon, Spencer? Because I I think I think they're they're kind of spot on with this because I think it's endemic burnout. Um what do you reckon, Spencer? You know, this is this is a reflection. I like how Chris broadened it. And this is a reflection of something that I believe could be related to categories of people in their employment. Like as an entrepreneur, there's certain levels of mental health issues that I always feel I have to be aware of. And I know people who work in the corporate world, which is where I could never work, have their own issues, the politics and the pressure and so forth. And developers with whom I've associated in the past have their own type of thing, you know, like I joke, but developers hate people, you know, because what they do, it's like they're getting in their way. So I would say this is a really interesting thing to think about in terms of our virtual world where spending a lot of time by yourself in front of the screen, even when you speak to people or like I enjoy the show so much, talking in a group, healthy 
conversations with people doesn't always mean that your your head is in the game. I'll wake up some mornings and feel like a 20-year-old, you know, woo, woo, woo. And other mornings I'll wake up and I'll be melancholy slash depressed slash anxious slash whatever. And I have no freaking idea why. The, the secret seems to be to be aware of the fact that this is not unusual and to seek out whatever kind of tasks or personal interactions or therapies or whatever works. Don't pretend that it doesn't exist and don't believe that you're alone because in today's world, especially like the gig economy, I went out to dinner at a very fancier than normal place with my cousin last night and it was in the city of Chicago. City of Chicago right now is very weird because there's almost no restaurants in the city proper that are open because they can't get people to work there. And the ones that do now have a thousand times more people jammed in the space, which also makes that weird because the, you know, you're looking around like, wow, everybody here, who, who knows who's got what? So these are things that are in my mind. And I think this is a good thing to continue to talk about uh, in general, because we're all just human beings and nobody here is immune to it. You know? Well, my, before I throw it over to John, my take on this is, is that um, it, there's kind of toxic, especially in the agency freelance service areas, but, you know, obviously plugins and SaaS have their own concoction of toxicity, but I'm going to aim this definitely at freelancers and agencies because they're the main people that listen to this show. Um, and, I'm, and I'm not going to blame this all on clients, but because of the, because of the, the way the market works, I come across clients that, yeah, they've got the budget, but their unrealistic time expectations are so ridiculous so often and they're hardly ever met, no matter how hard you try and you make it clear to them that you're not promising a dead, a hard deadline because you never thought their timelines were at all realistic from day one. And it's endemic. It is truly endemic, these unrealistic timelines when it comes to the web industry, um, Spencer and Chris and yeah. John. It, it's to the core. Because what, what I've found, unless you're, you're doing something that you really have done before and there's no variable and you, you're, you've reduced the amount of outside variables as much as possible, these projects always take twice as long as, as people think, because, especially if there's more and more variables introduced. They just, it just, they have no, they just don't understand, unless it's the most easiest, simple project, they always take a lot more meetings, a lot more emails, a lot more aggro than people think. What do you reckon, John? Yeah, that's something that I have struggled with. Um, I think like putting too much on your plate or not giving yourself enough time for like a, a project to unfold. I think I've been a lot better about, you know, um, with the time aspect um, at least giving enough space to have some fudge room in um, projects. But yeah, I think with, with um, you know, it's a, this is a big reason why I, I can't see myself working for somebody else ever again. 
is because it's never fast enough. You're never going hard enough. At least like... Well, especially you know, in, in a yeah. regional and national agency basis, that's yeah. the reality of the environment you're going to be working in. Whatever you yeah. do isn't good enough, and it's never quick enough, is it? Yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, you know, when... when um, yeah, I, I think it's it's a tough thing. If, if you're running an agency, I think you got to you know, really listen and, and kind of be tuned in to what your staff is putting out there. I mean, it, it, especially after this last couple of years. Well, I know, I can, like I say, John, I can only base my experience in Northern Nevada. Right. I know I know who runs the four and five leading right. regional uh, marketing, digital marketing yeah. agencies. In all. None of them are technical founders. No. They have absolutely no idea, really, of what goes in. And uh, I know that their expectations, because of their background, are unrealistic. Um, but it goes with the territory, because a lot of these regional agency owners, they have absolutely no idea when it comes to the technical side of it. Or they have a joint founder that's the technical person. Um, but that's... That's what I'm basing that on my experience, John. Right. No, I, I feel you. I hear you. Right. Yeah. Right. Let's go. Um, I think it's been a good discussion. Let's go on our, to our recommendations of the week. Chris, um, what are you recommending to the listeners? I'm recommending that book in the spirit of burnout called uh, by Sherry Walling called The Entrepreneur's Guide to Keeping Your Shit Together. It's a good read. And Spencer, have you got something you want to recommend? Spencer, are you? Oh, sorry, my computer hiccup. Um, okay, I'll post Chris's thing in there too. So I have, <laughs> I've already published this publicly, but I don't know where Sally is, but somewhere if she's listening, Sally, I'm officially in the Gutenberg camp now. Oh, and I am posting the link to the, that's what caused my computer to hiccup, I think. Is the uh, Gutenberg Pattern Block Library is sort of officially released. It doesn't have a lot of stuff in there, but here's the deal. I really didn't figure this out. I'm still trying to figure this out. Apparently, there's things called reusable blocks, which in elementary terms would be called a global widget. You create one of them and you can make 50 copies, but you change one and all of them change. Then there's a pattern which is a series of blocks, but you can copy it and then change it uniquely. But the neat thing is if you go to this library, you can see the inklings of where this is going to go, where you just open up a pattern, right clip, copy, paste it in your site. Oh my God. Like how hard was that people? Because that I can see immediately the, the same Hoover Dam metaphor breaking open. At the core of launch flows, at the core of everybody else's stuff, if the core editor makes it just that simple to be like, here's here's stuff that looks good, feels good, and works with our particular code nuggets, short code or otherwise, ta-da! We're all standardized, and at the core, we're all doing the same stuff. And I think that's what's really amazing about this, is that I finally crossed the threshold of believability that we're far enough along to make this actually not only yeah, you, useful, you, but a bet on this yeah, I agree with you. You can see where, you know, where this is going. It's and still a, a, a 
train wreck of interface <laughs> stuff, but the actual functionality is cross the threshold. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, what do you we got a recommendation, John? Yeah, so this DVD, uh, Putney Swope, this is from 1969. It's a dark satire of the advertising agent uh, agency world. Uh, Iron Man status in here. Uh, but you can get it on streaming service as well. Yeah, that's so great. Go, make, go sure the link's in, make sure the link's in Slack um, for us. Um, my recommendation, well, like I mentioned it before, uh, Microcon for doing a series of what they call local events. Um, they're going to be in the East Coast. There's one in Boston. There's the one in Portland, which I'm going to. There's going to be one in London, um, one in Austin, um, and they're doing them um, during this year and next year. Um, I'll make sure the link uh, where you could buy tickets. Um, please, I think there's some tickets still left for the Portland one. Please come, Rob, Rob and his team do a great event. You'll be mixing with other um, entrepreneurs with similar attitudes that you find in the WordPress community. And it, it's great to see WordPress people um, going to these bootstrap type of events and broadening the people they know and um, just spread the message. Um, so I'll make sure the link's there. Um, Rob will be joining us next month for the month after that on the Roundtable show again. Um He's always welcome. He enjoyed it last time. Um, so I think it's time to wrap up the show. Chris, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find me at Lifter LMS. All right, it was simple. Uh, Uncle Spencer, what is the best place for people to uh, find WP out? Launcher- Thank you, sorry. WPLaunchify.com or at launchflows.com. But I'm going to say WPLaunchify.com. Yeah. Thanks, Spence. And uh, thank you for being a sponsor of the show. It's much appreciated, Spencer. Um, John, um, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, you can go to lockdownseo.com or you can uh, find the YouTube channel, Lockdown SEO. And it's a great channel if you're looking for a reputable person that knows what he's talking about when it comes to SEO. Go and sample some of John's videos and then uh, give him a consultation because he really does know what he's talking about. We'll see you next week for another roundtable show where we have a tongue-in-cheek look at the world of WordPress and tech in general. Um, I'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 